with lots of time. What a throw! Robin one for the end zone. Welcome back to This Week in College Football, presented by CFB Talk Daily. Today we have Georgia Tech running back Dylan McDuffie, along with a running back draft for the 2022 season. Should Notre Dame join a conference, a Texas A&M staffer gets caught uh, discussing the payment of players, and UCLA and USC joining the Big Ten. All that and more on This Week in College Football, presented by CFB Talk Daily. So big news breaking um, last week with USC and UCLA uh, leaving the Pac-12. When it first broke, nothing was really official, um, but it seems like more and more it's going to be uh, official that they, the two LA based schools are going to be joining the big 10 kind of wild when you, when you really think about uh, geographically um, that that's been a big issue when it comes to the conferences. Now these two West coast teams are going to have to play against uh, Rutgers, Maryland on the East Coast, Iowa and Minnesota in the Midwest. A pretty wild change of event because now you have two story programs joining a conference with a lot of story programs like Iowa, Michigan, Ohio State, Michigan State. What, where, where do you stand? Um, kind of your thought process when this first broke along with um, j- just in general, how this will kind of change the landscape of college football. Well, it, it definitely like takes it and turns it upside down, right? The landscape. I mean, a regional sport, it's now, uh, it's basically like the NFL Pro League. Yeah. Like, um, I, I don't think they fit into the Big Ten. Well, I mean, I guess we're going to have to get used to it because they're in the Big Ten now. But um, I was real shocked when I saw it. Like, at first I thought it was a troll, to be I was scrolling on Twitter, and I saw it, and I was like, yeah, right. And then, like, it quickly became a real thing. It, it, it is absolutely nuts. I, I, I was in the same boat as you, too, where I thought it was uh, – a, a bit wild, um, di- didn't make a ton of sense. And the the thing I'm most looking forward to is them having to go to like, say Michigan state in November, December, and have to play in a, a very, um, in weather conditions that do not favor them. Or when like Wisconsin lines up with three tight ends, a running back or two tight ends, a running back and a fullback, and are just going to try to pound the rock for a 14 play drive and throw the ball once. Um, it's definitely going to be a change of pace for them, especially with Lincoln Riley, who thrived in the Big 12 with um, a, a conference that defense definitely uh, takes the second chair. It, it's a pretty wild thing that's happening. Um, I, I don't know how it's going to really work out. Uh, I, I'm very curious. And, you know, with all the conferences kind of getting uh, shaken up a little bit, um, th- this is definitely one that I was surprised to see. But it's going to be very interesting to see how it plays out. Yeah, uh, for sure. I agree, especially with the Wisconsin thing. Um, I tweeted, um, it was the picture like the SpongeBob meme, where it's all blurry around him, a verbal <laughs> meme. And I said, Lincoln Riley, when he sees Wisconsin shot on three tight ends and a fullback on fourth <laughs> and one. It, it's going to be, he, they're definitely going to, I mean, USC is going to be a very good team. Um, either way, like they're going to be competitive, I think, but they're just going to get absolutely punched in the mouth against the team that, I don't think they're going to think is going to like punch them out like an Indiana or a Minnesota mm-hmm. if they have to play there in uh, cold conditions and then they come out ready to run the ball down their throat. It's going to be an absolute bloodbath uh, in, in a game like that. I, I do think they'll fare. They'll, they'll be fine, though. I mean, but mm-hmm. having to play like an Ohio State, a Michigan, 
and in Iowa every year is not at all like the Pac-12 where you had to play a, a strong Utah or a strong Washington or a strong Oregon. None of them were always strong at the same time the past few years. It was always like one team kind of ran the Pac-12. Every year in the Big Ten, there are competitive teams. Um, you know Ohio State and Michigan are going to be kind of the top dogs, but dark horse teams come out every year. We saw it with Indiana a few years ago. Penn State, of course, can always be in the mix. Michigan State will be in the mix. It's a lot more competitive. So that's where my curiosity is kind of peaked the most, is how they'll deal with tough games week after week after week. Yeah, I think the Big Ten's much more of a gauntlet. I mean, to be honest, I think it's the same as the SEC. I think, yep. especially now, like now you have USC, Penn State, Ohio State, and Michigan. Like you have historical, historically great programs all around. Like teams that are never going to be bad. Like a, a down year for all those teams is like eight wins. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's it is nuts. It, it's it, I mean, but it also is. It does make for uh, an exciting college football season when this all kind of. Uh, kind of becomes official and and with them leaving it kind of leaves the pac 12 in limbo where it, i don't think it'll exist much longer especially you saw a handful of teams in colorado oregon um utah they took meetings with the big 12 so and the big 12 also added uh last year they added us ucf byu houston and i think cincinnati so now the pac 12 is really just going to be uh, a pretty much desolate conference if it exists past this. Yeah, so I think that the Pac-12, I think Oregon probably ends up weaving. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw that they don't think I like it's not going to be immediate, but I think once Notre Dame gives the answer to the Big Ten, even yeah. if it's a yes, I think they add Oregon and Washington just to make the conferences even. Yeah. And I think if Notre Dame says no, they just add Oregon, maybe Washington. Mm-hmm. But I'm pretty sure Oregon's going to get in either way. Does Utah seem enticing. Like, does that seem like it could fit, especially with them adding BYU? If maybe you, you want to keep that as just a conference, like make that a conference game every year would definitely be something to look forward to. I mean, they play every year, but now having conference implications would make it a lot more exciting, I think, too. Could that maybe push them a little bit to to add Utah, especially with how strong they've been the past few years? What, into the Big Ten? Uh, into the Big 12. Oh. Oh, yeah, no, that would definitely make sense. I mean, Utah... They kind of fit the footprint, don't they? Like, I mean, they're, they're uh, the Big Twelve is a weird conference. It's all it's all the places that like I feel like no one lives by. I mean, unless you're in Texas, like. <laughs> so Utah would fit into that in my books. Yeah, that, that's a, it. Does make sense? Like, uh, you've got uh, Lubbock, Norman. Um, you've you've got uh, uh, uh can't where's Kansas? Is that in uh, Topeka? Okay, Kansas is a oh I forgot, a minute. no that's Manhattanville's Kansas State. Kansas is in a – I don't know where Kansas is, actually. I can look that up. But, but yeah, it, it, it's like the, the desolate uh, – the, the pretty much the desolate conference where literally all they have is college football in, in their town. Like, that makes up the majority of their population. I mean, the, the big one, obviously, is Nebraska having – or uh, not Nebraska, not in the Big the big, uh, the big 12 they were, but that they would fit, like, that perfect bill being in uh, Lincoln. Like, that's literally all they have. Yeah, I think one team that the Big 12 should maybe go after if the Pac-12 like, um, ceases to exist, mm-hmm. Washington State. Yes. Because Pullman is such a no-one-lives-here kind of like. Yeah, that, that would definitely be a, a cool thing because they, they've been a, a, a semi-competitive team year after year. They don't have years where they like break out like crazy, but they don't have years where they're like absolutely god-awful. 
So they would they would be a good fit in there. Um, Arizona and Arizona State going in would definitely be weird because those are two programs that have not been great over the past few years. Um, and I, I just don't know how they'd fit into that Big 12, into that footprint. Well, I feel like Arizona would fit fine just because they'd be so good in basketball, they'd be like Kansas. Like they'd be <laughs> very bad at football, but like they'd be a dominant basketball team. That, yeah, that's the one thing I, like, I, I kind of forget. Like, I'm, I'm focusing a lot on just uh, just football. It, with, with the other sports, like basketball being a big one, that, w- that would be huge adding them because they've been very good. Um, mm-hmm. one, one thing that did excite me a little bit, a little off topic with UCLA and USC joining the Big Ten, they got approved for college wrestling programs. So that would be something I'd, I, I would be pretty pumped to see. A, two college pro- wrestling programs in uh, Los Angeles would be awesome, joining a, a historically great college wrestling conference would be pretty cool, but um, adding UCLA and USC, they've been, they're decent basketball schools too, to the big 10 would be good. I mean, you've got Michigan who's good year after year. Iowa's pretty good. Um, Indiana, Maryland's usually decent. It would be a, a, a very, I, I mean, it would rival the SEC even more. I think the big 10 rivals the SEC now when it comes to athletics, um, but adding those two programs for all sports would be a, a pretty big push against the SEC. Uh, so we're here with our first guest of the season, uh, Georgia Tech running back Dylan McDuffie. Dylan, welcome on. What's up? How you doing? What's going on, man? How's Georgia Tech been so far? Uh, it's been great, for sure. Um, so this this season, how's the running back rotation looking for you guys? Uh, it's looking deep. You know, we we pretty good all around from the older guys we got into the room, me, Hassan, Dante, to the younger guys, uh, Felix, Jamie. Mm-hmm. So, Antonio. Yeah. Yeah, a pretty run-heavy offense. Or are you excited for the, the new opportunities? Uh, definitely. I mean, Coach Long got a history of having good running backs and um, having running backs thrive in his offense. And Coach Daniels, we <clears throat> great coach. So I mean, I'm just excited to play for both of them and get with this team. Mm-hmm. And you got uh, two years left at Georgia Tech, right? Yeah. Nice, nice. So uh, at, at Buffalo, how much do you think Buffalo prepared you for being like a, a good running back? Because the University of Buffalo traditionally has had pretty good running backs in the last few years. Yeah, we have. I mean, um, you know, like like you said, we were a pretty run heavy team at Buffalo. My whole career there, we had good running backs. Mm-hmm. Um, Jared Patterson, Kevin Marks, two guys in the mm-hmm. NFL right now. I mean, so I mean, just being in the room with them every day, um, competing and just pushing to be better, and. So, I mean, that, I feel like that prepared me pretty well. Mm-hmm. Were you on the team when uh, Jared Patterson was there? Yeah, I was. Yeah, he's actually the first guest I ever had on the podcast. Oh, that's crazy. And uh, uh, your running back coach uh, called him mid-podcast. It was uh, yelling at him. It's still in <laughs> the episode. Crazy. Yeah, it was very funny. Uh, we had to edit out what he said because it wasn't the uh, the most friendly, but it was very <laughs> funny. Yeah, I bet. Um, all right, so I'm going to throw a curve at you here. For pregame, what's on your playlist? Shoot, a lot of, a lot of young boy, a lot of mm-hmm. little baby. Um, of course. A lot of ESTG, a little dirt, Polo G, really stuff like that. Just get me, get mm-hmm. my mind right, get ready to go out there. What's your favorite baby song? It's, it's a hard question. He got, I know. It's hard. He got too many. I'm not going to lie. Got All of them is hard. Like, Lil Durk's got bangers. Young boy is crazy. No, nah, facts. Um, all right, so it's like a steady rotation of them? Yeah, pretty much. Heavy on them. 
All right, so you've been at Georgia Tech for uh, what, like three months now, roughly. Uh, since since June. Oh, okay, so like a little over a month. Yeah. Uh, who do you say you're closest with right now on the team? I'm close to all these boys. I mean, my roommate uh, Kenneth Johnson, uh, my other boys mm-hmm. are Mari Walton, uh, Dante, Jeff. I mean, I'm close to everybody, honestly. I mean, we're really close in the team as a whole. I feel like so. I mean. I don't feel like it's just one person, really just everybody. Mm-hmm. All right, yeah, that's cool. I mean, I feel like Georgia Tech's a, it's a good program, and I feel like it's got a good culture, so that makes sense that everyone's close to each other. No, most definitely. Um, so I, I want to ask you, have you uh, had a practice with the team yet or anything like that yet? Or? Um, like we just work, we're just working out right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, have you have you seen a guy like in the weight room that, that shocked you, like someone that you think coming to the season going to have a big year besides yourself? Uh, it's a, everybody. I mean, we got a lot of dogs on this team, like, especially in the weight room. It's a lot of strong dudes, a lot of at, crazy athletes on this team. So, I mean, it's a lot of people I could say right now. I really can't just think of one, honestly. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, g- going back to, uh, your time at Buffalo, what would you say your, your best, uh, career moment has been so far? <clears throat> you, you got a favorite play? Um, favorite play? Yeah, yeah, favorite play. Uh, I'll probably say, I really don't know. I don't have one specific, honestly. I mean, I'll just probably say having a thousand yard season was my mm-hmm. like best moment, I would say. But as a team, I would definitely say winning the bowl game. Oh, for sure, for sure. That's a big concept. A thousand yards is big, too. Uh, yeah. so you're, from Buffalo, you're from Buffalo. You went to Buffalo. Uh, one thing I wanted to ask you is, go uh, going to Georgia Tech, do you have a uh, game this season that you're really looking forward to? Like a place to play or just any of your games you got coming up? All of them, honestly. All of them. I mean, we got we got the best kids in the country, I feel like. So, I mean, every game, every week, week in and week out is exciting. It's a blessing. And I'm just ready. I'm ready for that. Sure, for sure. Yeah, this is cool. Uh, what about the facilities at Georgia Tech? Is, is it a big upgrade? Is it is it a lot nicer, more comfortable for you there? Um, we got great. I mean, Buffalo had pretty good facilities too, but we got we got great facilities at GT. I mean, it's in the city of Atlanta, so that's mm-hmm. be for itself right there. And then just having, you know, everything we have, um, great indoor, great weight room, great locker room, stuff inside of facilities is top tier. So I mean, you really got everything you need. And then being in the city is a plus. So. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, being in the city of Atlanta with the culture, that's gotta be pretty cool. Like off the field, at least. No, it definitely is. It's pretty. It's definitely fun just to be a part of the city and so close to it. Yeah, because Atlanta's got a lot of stuff going on. It's, it's, it's a dope city. I w- I'd love to go one day. Pull up to a game. Uh, man, I, I wish. The college budget, I can only get out to so many games a year. Uh, this this year, <laughs> yeah, I'm going get, to... You got to get to a GT game. I'm, I'm trying. This year, I'm going to uh, Syracuse, and I think I'm going to Penn State in uh, October. Okay, that's what's up. Yeah, so Syracuse... Kind of in your area of the woods, Syracuse. Yeah, it ain't too far from a crib. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so, so the last thing I want well, – two more questions I got for you. Uh, one, if there's a running back in the NFL right now or in the past that you can compare yourself to, who do you think you play the most like? Um, I wouldn't really say I compare myself to, but I, I like watching Nick Chubb, uh, Adrian Peterson, mm-hmm. uh, Joe Mixon. I like, the, I like the way they all play. They all run aggressive and run pretty hard. I feel like 
that's something I like adding into my game. And Joe Mixon is pretty versatile too to be a bigger guy. So I mean, I like watching those guys. Yeah, so, so you like being the versatile guy? Like, do you try to like model yourself after them, or just like watching them? <clears throat> uh, I just like the way they play. Honestly, I mean, I feel like you know, there's guys in the game that you obviously take, you know, watching, take bits and pieces from, just because they're already there and you see what they do. But mm. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that. I would just say that I, I respect the way they play, and you know, they're they're three great bats. So I feel like every running back should try to have some of the stuff they got in their tool belt in their own. Yeah, for sure. You can't go wrong, especially with those three, because so they're they're all power backs, but they can all kind of do it all. No, exactly. All right, and then my uh, my last one is: Do you have any goals for this season, either for yourself or for the team? Just win, honestly. I mean, everything else gonna come with that once you win. So that's the only goal I got. That's the only thing I want to go into the season, um, expecting is to win, and everything else gonna take care of itself. Sure. So, like, the individual accomplishments, like a 1,000-yard season, you don't care about that as long as you're winning games. You just hope it comes with it. Yeah, everything everything comes with winning. I'm not worried about the other stuff. That's going to take care of itself. Mm-hmm. For sure, for sure. Good team guy. All right, well, uh, I think that's all I had for you, uh, Dylan. I appreciate you coming on. Hopefully, we can have you on after the season again. Definitely appreciate you having me. Yeah, appreciate it, bro. Thank you. Um, all right, so to our next topic, I think we're going to do a, a running back, like snake draft kind of thing, our top three running backs. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll go number one if you're cool with that. Um, all right, cool. I think there's a lot of really good returning running backs this year, um, but I, I think one guy really stands king as the guy returning, and, and that's uh, Texas' Bajon Robinson. Um, I mean, r- rushed for j- just south of 1,200 yards last year with 11 touchdowns, and what was really the lifeblood of Texas offense last year was the heart and soul for them. And him returning is definitely huge. Now you add Quinn Ewers to the mix um, on that offense gives them a, a lot more, um, makes them less two dimensional. Having him on that offense back is so big and he's just a, a true ground and pound back um, and, and can really is really efficient to uh, in the pass game. I mean, average 10.7 yards a catch last year out of the backfield, which is uh, very, very efficient for a running back of his his size and just really could be a a Heisman favorite next year, too. I think he's going to be an absolute stud next year like he was this year and um, earn earn some votes with the Heisman and maybe could be like the third or second guy uh, in the vote next year. It'll definitely be tough with C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young coming back uh, to crack into that Heisman top two, but... If any running back's going to do it, I think it's Bajon Robinson. For sure. That also would have been my number one pick. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he's unreal. He's so talented. And he turns nothing into something so quick. He's the life of the Texas offense. He, he's he's an absolute madman. Just, yeah, I'm, I'm, that's probably one of the players I'm most excited to watch this year. And I'm not even I, – I, I'm a, a Texas hater. But he mm-hmm. is so, so electric to watch that, like, I, I, I will tune into some Texas games this year just to, to watch Bajon Robinson play. Sure. I actually I tweeted about him yesterday. I think he's he's so good, man. Um, I know a lot of Texas staff listen to the podcast, so this will be interesting to see what they think. <laughs> that's it. Hey, we took their guy number one. That's that that that's what matters. Yeah. All right. Uh, I'm gonna stay in the conference. Well, I mean, for the conference for two more years. I'm gonna go with Kansas State's Deuce Vaughn. I like that. Pick. Uh, I I think he's a little underrated because he plays for Kansas State in the national media. To be honest, they probably don't watch many Kansas State games, but. 
he's electric. He's so good at catching the ball out of the backfield. He kind of reminds me of Sean McCoy. That that's a good comparison. He he's he's super efficient in both the pass and run game. Like he is super multidimensional. Like just an absolute freak, especially at his size, being as small as he is. Yeah, he's five six, which is. So maybe maybe a little more of a Darren Sproles actually, because he's another Eagles running back, because he's real small. But yeah, I just love the way he runs the ball. He's on the Doak Walker uh, semifinal list last year, so he's definitely up there in the top ten. But for me, he's number two. I I like that pick. That was gonna be actually my next pick. Um, so now I'm I'm gonna go with the guy that really performed last year in an offense that was pass first. I mean, if you look at, I'm gonna go with. Uh, uh, Trevian Henderson uh, from Ohio State. Mm-hmm. When you look at that Ohio State offense last year with how efficient C.J. Stroud was and how many yards Garrett Wilson, Alave, and Smith had, it's pretty unreal that Henderson had over 1,200 rushing yards and 15 touchdowns. Like That shouldn't happen when your offense is as great at throwing the ball as Ohio State was. So now with uh, Injigba Smith being the, the or some, yeah, with him being the number one receiver, you've got Stroud coming back, and now you're going to utilize Henderson a little bit more. It's going to be very scary for a lot of Big Ten defenses. He, he's just an absolute beast on the field and was a real fun player to watch last year if you, if you liked watching uh, teams run the ball. I mean, Ohio State threw the ball a ton, like I mentioned before, but when they got running, it, it was a, a real thrill to watch. Yeah, I uh, I agree because Henderson is he's makes small plays into big like the holes at Ohio State opens up for you. Obviously, massive. Their offensive line is so good. You being an offensive lineman, I'm sure you mm-hmm. can appreciate it. But he turns 10, 15 yard gains into 30, 40 yard gains consistently. And like you said, with the weapons they have, and he was a freshman too last year, so yeah. he's only going to get better. It, it, it's it, I, I'm pumped to watch it, like. Because that, that Ohio State offense has no sign of, of really uh, slowing down at any point, too, with just who they've got returning. Uh, so I, I really do like like him running behind a, a guy like Paris Johnson, who's probably the best or second-best offensive tackle in the nation. You've got him blocking for, for Henderson. It's going to be a scary sight. Yeah, for sure. I think he's probably going to win the Doak Walker at least once in his career. Maybe not this year because I, I think Benjamin Robinson wins it. But I think eventually Henderson's probably gonna win one. Yeah, I, I I I'd agree with that. Probably next year, Robinson's just so strong. Like he, it, it really is like a he's a tier one, and then it's a the tier two is a, a I think pretty far behind Robinson. Oh yeah, he's far and away the best. Like that's why we both had him as a number one pick for a reason. All right, well, wh- who are you going with here? What what is uh, your second overall pick gonna be? Uh, mine would be Sean Tucker at Syracuse. Okay. I like that. Um, well, first of all, I have a soft spot because I love that he tweets his stats after every game and like such a formal breakdown. I don't know if you've ever seen it, yeah. but yeah, he tweet he tweets like had 120 yards today. Was a good day. Offensive line opened up big holes. Can't wait for the next. Like it's such a professional like breakdown that I, I just love that about him. But he, he's also a good running back. He had 1,500 yards last year, uh, averaging six yards a carry, 12 touchdowns. Oh, he he's great, and Syracuse they need the help on offense, and he's like their he's their spark. Yeah, and 
it does stink when like a running back, like or a guy this talented is stuck on a Syracuse team. That's not as, not as efficient. Um, but, but he, I mean, will definitely be their guy this year. Like he kind of was last year. I mean, he'll get the, the majority of the touches on offense and, I've got one of his tweets pulled up. It's, this is this was my favorite one from the Virginia Tech game. Finally, an ACC win. Syracuse 41, VT 36. I'm pleased with my performance and happy with the outcome. I ran 20 attempts for 112 yards with two receptions for 14 yards. Thanks to my O-line for helping me reach 1K yards and more to come. I'm just getting started. Like, that is just yeah. awesome. Yeah, that's such a professional, like, breakdown of the game. He's just given his, like, finally an ACC win. He was so happy, like, to write that. That that is, I would love to see more players do that, but I don't think it would feel as authentic as a guy like Sean Tucker doing it because I don't know if he's doing it like maybe a little jokingly, like little tongue in cheek, wink, wink, or if he's just like dead serious, like thank you to my own line. This is the outcome. I was so pumped about this win. Either way, I absolutely love it and hope it continues this season. Yeah, me too. He has to bring it back. Uh, I talked to some of the Syracuse uh, staff, especially on the offensive side. So I'm going to tell them, like, hey, this needs to keep it up. Like, this is the key to the offense. <laughs> he, he, is, uh, he, he is awesome. I, I'm another, another guy, like, Syracuse games are, are a bit tough to watch with how bad they are uh, typically. But I, I this will be a fun – he'll be a very fun player to watch this year. For sure. I think I should actually ask them if they can get all the offensive players to do it. Oh, that, that would be great. You get the quarterback – you get the O-lineman tweeting about it. Had a uh, – Three pancakes allowed zero sacks. Great day. Uh, thanks to Sean Tucker for making us look good. Something along those lines. Yeah, just do it back to him. Um, All right, so um, now it's up for you, your third pick. Yeah, so there were a couple guys I was between. Um, but I'm going to go with a guy I'm more excited to watch this year in uh, Zach Evans um, at Ole Miss. Huh? Um, well, he may not be like one of, the, one of the guys towards the top of the board running back-wise that I could have picked. He's a guy that I'm definitely looking forward to in um, in the SEC um, at TCU. He was very efficient, and then him transferring over into a Lane Kiffin offense will be, I think, a, a super exciting uh, sight to watch. Uh, last year, he had 650 yards and five touchdowns, but only carried the ball 92 times. Um, in the SEC, I'm curious to see how how efficient he'll be, but it'll be definitely be very uh, a, a very uh, intriguing player to watch on how efficient he could be against SEC defenses like Alabama, Mississippi State, Texas A&M, week after week after week. Yeah, I think Evans is in a much better spot than he was last year. Kiffin's a better play caller than what he had at TCU. Mm-hmm. Uh, the defenses are going to be tougher, for sure, but his offensive line is going to be better as well. And, you know, mm-hmm. working with Kiffin, there's going to be opportunities, especially out of the backfield. I think we'll get utilized more in the, the receiving, the, the pass game, not the receiving game, the pass game. And... That's going to open up a lot of opportunities for him. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree about uh, in, in the past game. I mean, over his two years at TCU, he only had 18 catches and one touchdown. Kiffin's going to really want to use him a lot in that offense uh, out of the backfield catching passes. So that'll be a, a real big thing. I think you'll see his rushing numbers go up and you'll, mo- you'll most certainly see his uh, receiving yards and catches go up, which will be very good for his uh his stock going into his senior year, or if he decides to leave for the draft, that'll even help him. Yeah, I think he's at the prototypical SEC back too, right? He's big, he's, he's fat, obviously he's fast, he's a running back. But like he's like the big kind of like muscular back the SEC like loves. Oh yeah, it, it, it's, I, it, that, that's a guy like, it, it's not more like I th- how 
how great I think he'll he'll do, but more of a uh, I'm just super intrigued to see what he does. Because I think he'll be super successful, but I want to see how successful he'll be. For sure. That's how I feel as well. So my, my last one is going to be actually Jameer Gibbs. Uh, he transferred from Georgia Tech to Alabama this season. Mm-hmm. And obviously going from Georgia Tech to Alabama, the offensive line is going to be much better than it was last year. Yeah. And he, I think he's only a sophomore. He was a second team freshman All-American. Oh, no, that was his first. That was his freshman year. Sorry. Last year, he was second team All-American. So I, I think going to Alabama, the holes are going to be bigger. The play calling with Nick Saban, you know, you're going to be surrounded by better players. The defense can't key in on you as much. Yeah, that, that's definitely true, cause especially in Georgia Tech's run first offense. You know the ball is going to go to him a uh, uh, majority of the time. In this Alabama offense, it'll be a lot more deceiving. It, they'll be able to open up the pass game, or they'll be able to key off him. Like if they, they get off to a real good start running the ball, the play action will open up. He'll just be an all-around better uh, weapon and, and tool for that Alabama offense. Yeah, and everyone in the Alabama offense eats. Like, you know, this has been a thing. They've had multiple five-star running backs back-to-back here, receivers, and everyone gets the ball. So it'll be nice, you know, build your stock up. And I think he's super underrated. He had 750 yards last year at Georgia Tech and 140 carries. That's about 5.2 yards a carry. And his longest rush was 71 yards. And, and like you mentioned, that O-line that he's going to be behind this year, especially the interior is going to be great. You've got Seth McLaughlin at center and, and Javion Cohen at, at left guard is going to be very, very good for uh, for his uh, efficiency in, in 2022 and 2023. It, it's, uh, another player that's going to be super exciting, but in Alabama, like he he's bound to succeed. All right. So our our next thing is a uh, Texas A and M staff caught talking about paying players. <laughs> uh, have you seen the video? I my actually so my dad uh, texted it to me. Uh, I I hadn't seen it yet. He texted the video to me. He's like j- just absolutely baffled. And I I think I watched it maybe twenty twenty five times. Just because of how funny, A, it was, and B, how shocking it was. It, it was absolutely well. So what is he, he says, uh, you see you see those uh, you see those booths up there, the, those boxes up there. You'll make a lot of money from the people sitting in those. Just an absolutely wild statement, especially after the beef that, that Saban and Jimbo had uh, just about a month and a half prior. Yeah, that's a tough look because Jimbo mm-hmm. Fisher was like, no, we do none of that over here. Yeah. And – then that comes out. Uh, I saw I tweeted that he was going to be like Jimmy Hoffa. You will never <laughs> see that staffer ever again in public. Like <laughs> I, I was saying, I, I was talking. I was like, it, it, Jimbo probably brought him into the office. Was like, yeah, you're just uh, you're, you're completely done. Uh, grab, grab a, grab a, stop by the equipment room and grab a pair of shorts and a t-shirt on the way out. But I never want to see your face uh, around here ever again. Like, just get out of here. Yeah, I, to be honest, it pro- the video is probably worse than it looked, to be honest. Like, he was probably just talking about NLI, maybe. But, I don't know, it looked awfully suspicious. Like, it sounded suspicious, too. It, it, it only makes it worse because of what happened with Jimbo and Saban. Had that never happened, it would have been, like, a funny video for 12 hours on the internet and been completely forgotten about. Now you you pair that with what the two of them were pretty much going at each other and Fisher had 
that that like you mentioned before that big speech where he's pretty much on his high horse like uh we don't do that around here that's that them saying that is really ironic stuff like that makes the video a million times worse than what it really is yeah exactly because now you look like a liar that, that's that's what the whole big deal is because you just went on a whole thing like oh saying oh we don't do this we don't do this and then caught in 4k basically yeah and, and like you mentioned he could have just been talking about nil bill how how bo- boosters and donors will come in because like schools like texas they do that miami is doing that where like it, it really is probably something innocuous but you it, it just is such a bad look because there's no context with it it's just him saying you'll make a lot of money from those people up there. And, and in the past, there's been issues at, at schools where people have just been paid straight up by uh, wealthy, wealthy donors and wealthy boosters. So it, it's a completely awful look for uh, for for A&M. So, yeah, that, that guy's probably either a dead or B just bagging groceries at the local uh, the, the, the local grocery store in uh Wherever his hometown is, not even in, uh, not even in Texas, near Texas a and anymore. Yeah, he's just been banished, right? He's just no longer allowed in College Station. <laughs> it, it, it's his face posted, like, in the Texas A&M uh, police department, uh, pretty much like, if you see this man, or a $1,000 reward if you bring this man in dead or alive. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I, I don't have much more to say about this. I thought it was going to take longer, but we pretty much agree that it's just a bad look. Yeah, it, it, it's... Just like it, it just come. It keeps coming back to like had Saban never said that A and M was paying players and Fisher never giving this big uh, uh, rally the troops speech against Alabama, we don't mention this really uh, ever again. Like it would have like, like I mentioned, it would have been something funny to laugh at uh, for a day, day and a half, and then it would have just been completely washed. But you layer everything up with it, and that's the the, the beauty of college football is. Stuff like this happens, not not exactly like this, but a lot of stuff gets layered on on top of each other. Storylines that it makes college football so much better and so much more entertaining. All right, so our, our last, well, our second to last topic. So I'm gonna add one more after this to make it a little longer. But um, for you, this topic close to home. You are Notre Dame guy. Yep. What do you think? Do you think ND should join the Big Ten or not? Um, it's tough because. I think like Notre Dame schedules, they've had years where they've had weaker schedules. If we're going completely off that, uh, basing off that, like they've had years where they've definitely had weaker schedules. But I mean, them, they scheduled a very difficult uh, gauntlet this year. They play Ohio State, play Clemson, play BYU, play BC, play USC. I mean, you're playing five very talented teams this year where like mm-hmm. the argument with them joining a conference every year is you play weaker teams. Um, that you should join a conference this year. And and even last year, I'd say aren't examples of that, that people can really use to throw in their face. So for that argument, I'd say no, but as a Notre Dame fan, it's tough for them to get the nod to make the playoff. Like it was last year. You have a one, you have one loss to Cincinnati, who is the four seed and you don't have a conference championship to show for while a team like, uh, like Baylor has Baylor would have probably gotten the nod over Notre Dame to make the college football playoff last year because they had a, a conference championship to show for not having that every year is a very tough thing to, to put in front of the playoff committee and say, no, 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 we should be in the playoffs. And then just to be able to throw it back in your face and be like, well, you're, you're, you didn't have a conference championship. 
teams X, Y, and Z did. That's why we're going with them. So I think for that reason, purely to help their chances at making the playoff, they should definitely join. Um, I, I'd say the Big Ten uh, would help them, but any conference in general. Yeah, I think they should because, like you said, the conference championship thing is a big deal. It's it's why the Big Twelve started introducing one because Big Twelve teams they were like, "Hey, you don't have a conference championship," and that was a big deal. Yeah, it, it's that that has been like the driving force behind a lot of teams making the playoff in the past. I mean, the the Georgia and Alabama them making it had there not been a conference championship, I don't think Alabama makes the college football champion or the college football playoff last year. Just because uh, they had one loss, I mean, you could have thrown other teams in there over them, but then beating Georgia and proving themselves as a team that can, uh, can can compete in the playoff is the reason they got in. Yeah, for sure. I think Notre Dame also should join, just because I feel like soon it's going to be you're going to get left behind if you're not in one of the two power conferences. Yeah, and obviously Notre Dame's historical power, they're never going to be left out to dry. But mm-hmm. it seems like the window is starting to close or, like, how long you can survive as an independent. Yeah, especially when you look at, like, it's not like there's a bunch of other teams that are independents and are, like, very good and independents. Um, yeah. I believe BYU was an independent. Now they're joining a conference. Um, mm-hmm. Then you have, like, UConn and UMass are independents. Uh, I think, is it New Mexico? New Mexico State's an independent. They, you, you don't have a, a very big cream of the crop to show for in the, the, the independent world. So them joining a conference will definitely take them out of uh, that kind of limbo and, and will be better for them um, to, to take their name out of that conversation as well. Because it's it's not like you have a team, like a powerful team like in the SEC. Say like a Texas A&M was a, an independent and a, uh, uh, a Washington was independent. Then it's like, well, these teams are also independent and are doing very good. They have nobody else to really help them in in this uh, in this fight as, as an independent school. Yeah, I think one more thing that I want to mention about Notre Dame is if they join the conference, you get better bowl games. Yep. No more uh, new era pinstripe bowl. Mm-hmm. You know, you're playing the Rose Bowl maybe, which I would love a Michigan Ohio State or Michigan uh, I mean no Michigan Notre Dame uh, Rose Bowl or something like that. That'd be awesome. That would be unreal. That would be so awesome. That would be awesome just for college football in general to have that. But even just as fan service for people, it would be great. Yeah, I think that would be an awesome kind of thing. So you're thinking like the Big Ten is where they'll go, not not the ACC, even though they have all they already have uh, all their other sports are ACC um, and, and they join the ACC for the COVID year. Yeah, because uh, well, I saw that if they stay in the ACC, like for any other sports, then they have to join the ACC for basketball, uh, football. But okay. if they leave entirely, then they could go to any other conference. So they would need to leave the ACC and beg basketball, all the other stuff, to join the Big Ten. I mean, I'd like to see them in the Big Ten in general because I think you and I are on the same the same page where we think it's probably the second best conference, uh, not just football-wise, but athletics-wise in general. Um, and, and the ACC is really what they have to show for is basketball because of Duke and North Carolina. That's pretty much what they show for every year uh, to to compete for the top athletic conference. Uh, them Notre Dame joining the Big Ten would just be huge because now you're just in the conversation the same the same breath as every year Ohio State, Michigan, Iowa, Michigan State. Like that would be a nice thing for them to be a part of it as a fan at least I think. And then if you're just a college football fan in general that wants to see them join a conference. 
Yeah, for sure. exactly. I think Notre Dame. Should, I think the sport would be better off with Notre Dame in a conference, playing in big games, conference championships, and, and better bowl games. Well, even, even like when they joined the ACC, how fun was that year of college football? Like that year of college football was an absolute blast to watch. Having them play Clemson twice was very was just very cool and just invigorating, especially when you have Clemson at home. And, and now think about if you have an Iowa at home and then you're traveling to Michigan and then you have like a Minnesota at home and then go to like Indiana. That would just be so awesome to have in general. And they can still schedule their their out-of-conference rivalry games. Like, Or actually, USC will be part of the Big Ten, so they don't even have to worry about that. That's now a conference rivalry instead of just an out-of-conference rivalry. Yeah, and for Notre Dame, the travel probably goes down a little bit there. Mm-hmm. Having to play a, a Big Ten schedule because they're, they're kind of smack in the middle. Yeah. As a, so uh, transitioning a little bit, I know you've got something else to add, but I know you're a Rutgers guy. What are, how do you feel about Rutgers possibly having to travel to the West Coast to play a conference game? We're in a super conference, baby. That's all that matters. <laughs> We've made the super conference. We're not getting left out. So in 20, 30 years, when we're dominating the sport, it'll be because of this day. Yeah, so you don't think like 10, 15, it's 20, 30 down the line, Rutgers. No, no. we're like 30 or 40 years. We'll, we'll, be, we'll be a six or seven win team for about 30 years. <laughs> that's, that's not too bad from the from the, the past few years where Rutgers hasn't been great. Uh, exactly. So that won't be too bad. I, I did want to add just one one quick thing that broke today. All if, right, what's up? Yeah, no problem. The Zach, or well, so I know we, we, we don't get into NFL too much, but the Zach Wilson thing kind of dates back to college. Have you been following that story that broke? Uh, I saw it, but I, I didn't like understand. So explain. So Zach Wilson's girlfriend that was with him at the draft, mm-hmm. they broke up. And then, um, so, so that kind of like fades away, like news breaks where they break up. Now it, it Dax Millen, Milne, or Milne, I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name right, the, the, the receiver from BYU that that's, mm-hmm. was in stories quoted as like the best friend of Zach Wilson posts on Instagram a picture with uh, Zach Wilson's ex-girlfriend. So somebody commented like, uh, that's a real homie hopper. Uh, I think it was something along those lines. Zach Wilson's girlfriend, ex-girlfriend fired back and said, uh, he slept with uh, his best friend's mom. I would call that the real homie hopper. So now it, it's rumored that Zach Wilson slept with Dax's mother, and that is kind of where their feud has 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 come to a head. And, and the two don't follow each other on Instagram anymore. I just think it's an absolutely bonkers thing that is occurring uh, in the offseason. It kind of gives a, a, a little uh, it, it's very juicy, very gossipy. But I, I just found it absolutely hilarious. Yeah, that is a that's like a bombshell because Zach Wilson just seems he seems like a uh, what's the word to use here like the exactly like frat kind of guy. He's just yep. like I wouldn't expect that from any other NFL quarterback except Zach Wilson. Like you have Justin Herbert who was a fishing club uh, president in high school, and then you have Zach Wilson who's out here just banging moms. That it, and there was like another report that came out like he was spotted on like the beach with an older woman. I don't think it was Dax's mother, but. They were like, well, we already know uh, Zach Wilson likes older women, so this this adds even more uh, more um, cause to or uh, more probability that this actually did happen. So I found that even funnier. Oh man, I can't believe that. That's actually really funny. I read it and I, I was at work, so I just scrolled over it quick, and I thought it said it was his mom, but oh, that was <laughs> that's I was like, I was fake, but I can't believe that. 
it's crazy. But uh, yeah, that's I, I just wanted to 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 get that out there because I've I've been following that for a little bit. And I thought it was absolutely hilarious. Yeah, sure. That's actually wild. I can't believe like Zach Wilson. That's such a Zach Wilson thing. I feel like a, a BYU thing actually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't got anything else. Um, if you're ready to wrap up. Yeah, so I think that'll do it for this episode. This should come out Wednesday. Our next episode should be out next Wednesday, so that'll be episode three. Uh, Thank you guys for listening.